Hi, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks. I'm your host, Sadi Muktadir, editor of Canadian Manufacturing. My guests today are Eric Thibault, Director of Industry Solutions and Country Digitization Acceleration at Cisco Canada, and Wayne Cuervo, Director of Global Innovation for Cisco Innovation Labs. These two guests are here to talk about Cisco's Fast Future Innovation Award, which has a deadline of November 15 and is awarding 200K to a business that is investing in innovation and looking to partner with Cisco. Uh, without further ado, here are our guests. Welcome, Thibaut and uh, Wayne Swervo. Uh, really appreciate you guys uh, joining me here. Uh, I received an email about the uh, Cisco Fast Future Innovation Award, and I thought it would be really relevant for our audience to hear and learn more about uh, the work Cisco is doing. So uh, I'm not sure uh, who to field this question to. Uh, either of you can answer this, uh, but I'm wondering how the Fast Future Innovation Award came together and why Cisco Canada decided to uh, launch this right now. Hey, Sadi, I'll take that one. So uh, by way of introduction, it's really nice to meet you. My name is Wayne Cuervo. A director of Global Innovation here at Cisco, I lead our Global Innovation Labs organization, which focuses uh, really around customer innovation and how do we drive um, innovation with our customers to solve problems using Cisco and a lot of other third-party technologies. Um, so the, the awards really came out of, a, out of a conversation that Eric and I were having around how do we help our customers think about innovation more and how do we address some of the challenges that we are seeing consistently across you know a lot of the experts and a lot of the the, the think tanks that have you know ranked innovation in Canada as a as a bit of a problem you know i think there's 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 a you know the commerce board of canada specifically came out and ranked canada with a c in the innovation space um, and we both decided that this was something that was core to not only our customers and what our customers really need to see and drive um, for improvement across their, their their organizations, but also a role that I think Cisco and, and both of our teams have to have to really play here. Um, and so when we think about how do we address the um, the impact of innovation across Canada, how do we help our customers be more innovative, and how do we think about the role that we, again, can can play in this. Um, we know innovation is one of the key drivers for societal, economic, and environmental um, change. And so we really wanted to address some of those challenges. Um, and when we think about, you know, in, in order to kind of embed a lot of knowledge and kind of context around what innovation challenges are being faced by companies, we did a, an Angus Reid survey and, you know, only 16% of respondents said that they were um, investing significantly more in innovation um, or technology infrastructure investments. Um, so we think this is a really important conversation, not only for our customers, but for Canada writ large. And so we feel that like, we had a role to play and we really wanted to kind of jump in and create the Fast Future Innovation Awards to help pour gasoline on innovation for our customers. So Sadia, maybe just I'll, I'll add a few comments just to build on what Wayne said. So. I mean, in a nutshell, we wanted to drive impact across the country, right? We wanted to drive a, whole, a number of benefits, including social economic benefits. Uh, and the way we've decided we've chosen to do that, especially this year, is we decided to focus our efforts around three topics, three categories that were we felt were top of mind and certainly came out loud and clear in the research that Wayne uh, quoted uh, a few minutes ago. So it came out loud and clear, clear that there was a need for innovation across a, a number of sectors, and we decided to focus on hybrid work, sustainability, 
and cybersecurity. These three topics are very much top of mind. Uh, hybrid work, when you think of, of course, of what happened uh, uh, through the pandemic, uh, how people are recuperating out of that, how they're basically looking at the workspace now in a very different light. Uh, but I think the conversation is broader than just the office space, which is typically how people think of it. How do we work in the office? How do we work from home? How do we work from anywhere? I think in the context maybe of, of, of an audience that's a little more focused around uh, an industrial setting, such as your audience with respect to manufacturers, you can think of it in the context of business resilience, right? In, uh, so how do you basically remain operational and effective and productive in the context where you just can't have the same level of uh, of staff on site, so so that's 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 one category. Sustainability is another one, and cybersecurity obviously being extremely critical uh, as a topic. So, at, at the end of the day, um, one of the reasons why we created the awards as well, and maybe a little self selfishly, is we wanted to. Um, it, this, this ultimately gives Cisco a great platform to identify new partners that we can co-innovate with, right? We, we, we absolutely realize that we can't do it alone. Uh, the, 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 the challenges, the business challenges that organizations are facing are just too complex. So, so we have to do it with partnerships. And quite frankly, this platform, and it sure worked out really well last year as well. Uh, our first place winner last year was Equipe Sention out of Montreal. And quite frankly, we're fast forward well over a year now uh, in, in that relationships. And, and we have a number of uh, future uh, pursuits that we're working on together. So again, I think it's, it really is an opportunity to create a win-win both for these partners and for Cisco to be able to establish new partnerships. So it's very powerful from that, from that perspective. Perfect. Thank you, uh, Eric. And thank you, Wayne. Um, that was a, a very uh, in-depth answer. answer. Uh, I, for, I did want to apologize, though, for completely butchering Wayne's last name. Uh, I said Suervo instead of Cuervo. So just wanted to apologize for that. <laughs> I know right. that can be. So uh, moving on, I'm, I'm glad you sort of brought up hybrid workplaces, sustainability, and um, cybersecurity. Uh, that sort of had to do with like my next question. Um, obviously, manufacturing in almost every industry, even outside of manufacturing, is seeing you know labor shortages and number of other problems due to inflation and things like that, even though investments in innovation might be rising slightly, I'm wondering if you can speak to how and what kind of investments specifically you'd like to see manufacturers make across, um, you know, every industry, whether it's automotive manufacturing, food manufacturing, to be able to help themselves. And when we speak about hybrid work and sustainability and cybersecurity, what are the specific innovations that manufacturers can make? What does a uh, sorry an investment in innovation with regards to cybersecurity look like, for example? Yeah, so maybe I'll take, I'll take a pass at that. And then um, I know, Eric, you'll, you'll have points on that as well. But, you know, from an from a, um, innovation perspective, we are seeing a decline in Canada. I can't speak specifically to, you know, what manufacturers are facing, but I suspect there's, there's a, similar, um, a similar rhetoric there. What, you know, what I'd love to see more of from an investment perspective is, is not only the, the investment, but also the mindset. And I think this is a core part of any innovation conversation. It's really around how do we think beyond silos in every team, in every organization, there's a, there's a culture of, you know, the silos working within their own uh, technology, their own business, the operating unit. And I think there needs to be a more targeted problem solving approach so we think across silos and I think investment is not just about dollars and cents. It comes down to how do we think more um, appropriately about driving innovation across the company. We need to see businesses as a whole and not from, you know, specific teams focused on, you know, 
cost cutting or operational uh, efficiencies, but also, but, but more in line with what does that mean for the whole overall business? When we think about hybrid work, when we think about, you know, um, uh, collaboration security, there is a, 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 an overarching need from a mindset perspective that is not just about one group, it's about the whole company and how we think about that. If we I can identify three main things, you know, from a mindset perspective, take action against silos. This really means that leaders need to support the culture of innovation um, and celebrate sharing of ideas across, across, across teams, across companies, and really think about what are the bold, uh, innovative new ideas that can spur these kind of conversations across one team and across the whole organization um, and find the ways to share those, share those opportunities across, across the teams. Um, the other investment area that I think is really important, Eric touched on it, but it's really about leaning on partnerships. Innovation is a team sport. It requires uh, a lot of diversity of thought. It requires a lot of expertise, skills, and backgrounds. And relying on one team or one company exclusively means that you're leaving a lot of innovation ideas and a lot of innovation capabilities on the table. So it's really about leaning on the partnerships that can bring more um, more to scale, more to impact than one organization can. And then finally, you know, on the, the, the area of um, any, any conversation around innovation and investment needs to be anchored with, this is innovation, this is not R&D. So it means there has to be a culture of, it is acceptable to spend time on a project and it understand that it will not work because it is innovative, it may not work because it is the whole notion of innovation needs to be anchored around failing and failing fast and failing intelligently. Um, so you want to make use those innovations uh, or use those opportunities for failure as a learning point, um, as an opportunity to drive greater awareness and understanding of what that change, what that failure, what that learning can mean for the company. Um, but you need to learn how to fail fast and quickly and move on um, and celebrate the, the learnings that come from it and not punish those that are um, trying to do things differently. And I think that's a real cultural mindset that needs to be embedded in it. Um, and once organizations start to do that, investments need to be um, uh, made alongside it. But I think it's, it's not fair to talk about innovation and investment without also thinking about mindset. And th thanks, Wayne. So I'll, I'll just add a couple of thoughts, uh, Sadie, on, on, on top, building on what Wayne said. So what it, when I think about the labor shortage, I think of it, I guess, in kind of two, two categories, if you wish. Uh, one is around solutions around potentially automation technology. And, as, and another one is around um, uh, is, uh, uh, upgrading the skills, basically, of the workforce. So, so to give you some examples, I guess, or double-clicking on, on these items, if I think of automation, for instance, and that's very much applicable to an, an, an industry like manufacturing. So if, if the fact that we have shortage of skills, if we're able to automate some of the operations and some of the activities within an organization, such as a manufacturing plant, uh, that will obviously minimize, reduce the dependency on, 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 uh, on, 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 on skilled labor. So, of course, that has to be done very uh, surgically in terms of where, where the opportunities are for automation. But I think the point I want to bring, and this kind of brings us back to cybersecurity, is when you look at automation, especially when it comes to uh, technology being involved in helping with, the, with automation, there's a notion of visibility that's required, right? You need visibility within your plant, within your equipment, within all the tools that, that are being leveraged. Uh, and that visibility requires connectivity. When you have 
connectivity, then all of a sudden you've got a potentially a larger attack surface. So all of a sudden you've, you've actually gone down the path of automation and digital transformation, if you wish, uh, to, to gain significant benefits from a business perspective, but you've also created potentially a higher threat surface from a cybersecurity perspective. So it's important not to ignore that. It's important to consider security uh, as part of that journey. Um, and the second point, second thought I was going to share is around um, uh, addressing the skills shortage by creating education opportunities. So I think it's, it's relevant for this audience to mention that we have made an investment in uh, Cisco Canada has made an investment in the past with the British Columbia Institute of Technology, uh, where we basically uh, help uh, stand up basically an industrial cybersecurity lab facility for the students, and they've created a cybersecurity industrial cybersecurity uh, curriculum. Uh, and they're now, they've recently graduated their second core. So again, we've got students basically coming out of that program and joining the work for the Canadian workplace, uh, essentially to help uh, bring this very rare talent uh, to the workplace. So I think that, that that's very important uh, to mention. Uh, Cisco, again, views that labor shortage challenge as, as a very real one and something something we take to heart. Uh, so we've made that investment. We've also made a commitment with the, in a partnership with the government of New Brunswick uh, two years ago to uh, train uh, 1,500 students in cybersecurity uh, over three years across, um, across all of their public high schools. So again, there's just another example of the things I think we can do and where it's good to see investment um, from across the country. Uh, it's interesting to hear some of the work uh, uh, Cisco's doing with uh, educational institutions across the country. Um, with that in mind, and specifically thinking about uh, the manufacturing industry and the number of uh, different businesses that might be applying to the Fast Future Innovation Award, uh, I'm curious if there are particular businesses that you hope apply or that are underrepresented, that have been underrepresented in the past that you're hoping to see more of? It's obviously a very easy answer to just say, oh, we'll hope for any kind of business, all kind of businesses across you know, every industry. But I'm wondering if you guys can give me maybe uh, some particular industries, whether it's inside of manufacturing or outside of that you're hoping can really benefit from uh, an award in a program like this. No, that, that's a fair point, which is the reason why we actually created these three categories this year. We wanted to sort of provide some focus uh, around some of the challenges we're, we're, we, we wanted to help address, which, as, as I mentioned, are very much top of mind. Having said that, you, you could argue that cybersecurity, sustainability, and hybrid work are somewhat horizontal and applicable to a number of sectors. Uh, so, so, and that would be a, a very uh, accurate statement. So we are hoping definitely to attract people from the manufacturing uh, vertical or sector uh, looking at the first iteration of the program last year, we had very few submissions from uh, manufacturers. So we'd love to see more this year and would uh, very much welcome uh, the opportunity to entertain some of these submissions from that sector. Uh, but I think broadly speaking, we are looking for uh, large enterprises and mid, uh, mid-size and large uh, businesses uh, in Canada across private and, and public sector. Uh, cybersecurity is absolutely top of mind. So anything I would say related to uh, securing critical infrastructure, given the current context that we're in, is also very much uh, welcome in the context of this awards. Um, yeah, I, I, would leave, I would leave it at that for now. I'm curious, um, when manufacturers are considering uh, an application to a program like this, 
uh, is there something that uh, they may not be aware of that this mentorship program or Cisco Canada can help them with? Uh, essentially, I'm trying to find uh, a way, I guess, uh, to answer the question why they should apply beyond the 200K in funding and having access to Cisco Canada's network. Um, what's something that maybe manufacturers may not be aware of that Cisco Canada may be able to help them with? It's a, it's a, I love this question because it is not just about the $200,000 $200, in it's in seed funding. It really comes with um, a lot of things that are um, that we think we have a really um, strong number of capabilities to bring to the conversation. It's not just about the money, but it is about um, the breadth of uh, Cisco's ecosystem partners. Um, we, you know, have world class technology, and we have world class partners that can can help um, across. You know, name the problem, name the name the, the the scenario. We have we have partners in our ecosystem that can help address that. But it really does provide the winners of the of the, the the awards to to get all of our capabilities to the table. So it means that the winners don't only don't just get access to the money, but they get access to a host of um, experts across not only the Canadian landscape, but across the world. I, I have a, a team of innovation leaders across 10 organizations, which are, sorry, 10 locations, which are tapping into innovations, uh, problems and solutions across across 10 locations around the world. So it means that we have the breadth of, of experts that um, not only sit within Canada, not only sit within our global um, footprint, but also all of our business units. So it means that we can really tap into uh, Industry experts, technologists across the board, across our you know our, our significant business unit opportunities and 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 um, and teams that we can work on. Um, specifically, as well, is we have a lot of capabilities within um, our own innovation labs organization. So we've worked with with several uh, companies where we offer uh, our living lab um, uh, GPU resources, for instance, to do testing. Um, uh, or, or machine learning testing to actually train models that will save thousands of dollars on, you know, on, on GPU costs externally. But we have a number of, of, of capabilities that we have, that we offer and, and give access to so that there's not just about the knowledge, it's about the, the, the resources and the things that we have behind the scenes that we know we can, we can, again, be a strong partner in any company's journey that really wants to think about innovation differently, really wants to drive problem solving um, technologies that both require uh, technology enablement, technology uh, skills and expertise that, that, that come to the table. So there's a whole host of things that, that we show up with far and beyond the, the, the money. I'm glad you highlighted that, Wayne, because that's exactly sort of what I was uh, sort of getting at um, um, when, when some of our manufacturers might be looking into the Fast Future Innovation Awards. I'm glad you, were, uh, you highlighted yeah, that. I mean, yeah, specifically, like, you know, to go a little bit more detail, because we've got, you know, academic research partnerships, we've got, you know, um, R&D capabilities, we're even working on things like ethical AI. So there's a lot of stuff that we really bring to the table that we don't, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, we're, we're not going to list them out just because it's, uh, it is, yeah. it is very much required based on, you know, what the opportunity is. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that, that is, uh, um, helps us scale our efforts and, and then scale the capability that we can really bring. Yeah, moving on, I sort of wanted to uh, touch on probably one of the key concerns manufacturers might have as they invest in innovation and new technologies. Uh, sort of wanted to um, ask about cybersecurity. 
uh, which uh, you know continues to be a threat for manufacturers that are investing in innovation. It's clear that these kind of investments increase um, their security initiatives and protocols most of the time. But I'm wondering if there's something uh, uh, you want manufacturers to know from a security uh, perspective when they're looking to invest in innovation and you know from being involved with their work in the Fast Future Innovation Award. Um, obviously, Cisco Canada is on the forefront of a lot of cybersecurity uh, issues, and, and you know, it sees a lot of different things come up. So, uh, I'm wondering if there's uh, uh, something you can say that they can benefit from uh, a, a program like this from a security perspective. For sure, happy to share a few thoughts. Uh, so, so I mean, let me start with maybe with a couple of statistics. The it is clear that this, the cost of cybercrime is skyrocketing, right? We, the last numbers that I saw was 10.5 trillion by 2025. There was a recent study as well that came out from KPNG, their CEO Outlook, and they were saying very plainly that cybersecurity is a fundamental business operation imperative. And, and, and a couple of stats they shared that I thought are relevant to this conversation is they said, not every organization really is taking cybersecurity as seriously as they should. And they were saying basically the CEOs of large Canadian corporations that are well prepared for cyber attacks, uh, their, their cyber crime basically, or their cyber attacks basically fell by 17% uh, compared to last year. Whereas the unprepared organization, it actually jumped threefold. So it goes to show that it, it is absolutely something that needs to be taken seriously. And surprisingly, and definitely unfortunately, uh, it is not, uh, it is not, it does, it's not the norm. So, so I think, Key point number one would be to absolutely make cybersecurity a key consideration in any innovation or strategy, digitization strategy uh, within, within an organization. Certainly the approach from a Cisco perspective is to not bolt on cybersecurity, but really design in, right? So, so everything we do, and again, we've got uh, several decades of experience in cybersecurity. And, and, that, and, and, and a couple more decades, quite frankly, in, in, in connectivity and, and networking uh, in general. And, and we realized very early on that it was critical to actually design in cybersecurity and quite frankly, just about every product that we make now. Uh, and that's critical because one of the challenges that we, that we face, and I was actually chatting with a, a CISO earlier this morning, one of the challenges that we see from our major customers is they now have on their hand uh, multi, so many vendors that they, because they went potentially with best of breed and they had to end up with multiple small numbers uh, of vendors uh, from a cybersecurity perspective. And now they're accountable to integrate all of that, right? And, and the cost of integrating all these multi-vendor environment actually reduce any potential benefits uh, that, that they were anticipating from the best of breed approach, if you wish, because it, it, they lose all agility uh, in terms of being able to respond to cyber attacks. So, so I guess takeaway number two for, for, for this audience would be uh, the importance of looking at a simple or simplified pre-integrated as much as possible uh, uh, architectural approach basically when it comes to cybersecurity. So, so minimizing the number of vendor that an organization basically brings into its organization because that simplicity is absolutely going to pay off. And the third point I would make and leave you with when it comes to uh, cybersecurity considerations is we have to realize, and again, specifically for this audience, um, that some of the equipment, uh, and this is true for when we talk about OT, operational technology, uh, uh, not so much on the IT side, but when you look at building systems, manufacturing systems, utilities, et cetera, et cetera, 
a lot of the systems are not new from the last couple of years. They might have been around for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and potentially more. And, and the point here is that that equipment, when it was developed and provisioned, the cybersecurity threat landscape was very different uh, at the time. And therefore, they're not capable on their own to be able to cope with the current attack vectors that we're seeing in the industry. So it's important to keep that in consideration when you start innovating in, in that space and start bringing uh, some of the visibility and connectivity to make sure that you palliate for uh, the limited capabilities, cyber capabilities that these devices have and really sort of rely ultimately on the network to be able to, protect, to provide the right level of protection for, uh, for, for your critical assets. So I'll, I'll, these would be the three, my three recommendations. Interesting. No, that, that's great, Eric. And that's a lot of valuable uh, advice and information for um, our manufacturers that are, uh, you know, investing in um, uh, cybersecurity initiatives. So thank you for that. Um, before I left, I did want to sort of maybe throw one last question at you guys. Um, just going back to, I think, sort of around my, um, one of my questions about the kinds of businesses and manufacturers you hope apply for the Fast Future Innovation Award. With that in mind, I'm curious if there are particular kinds of manufacturers uh, working in particular spaces, whether it's clean tech or sustainability related products that you're hoping apply or other, other kinds of manufacturers that, you know, you might receive an application for, but you might look at it and say, hey, this is really interesting, but I'm not sure if we'd be able to uh, do the best work with them. So I, uh, I wanted to give those kinds of manufacturers sort of a heads up. You would be a perfect fit for this Fast Future Innovation Award, and you may not be the perfect fit for the Fast Future Innovation Award. Yeah, so I can start, Wayne, and feel free to add. The, the way I would answer that, uh, Sadi, is it really isn't so much about a specific manufacturer's uh, sub-vertical, if you wish. I think the submissions we're looking for are really anchored or meant to be anchored around the three teams that we've highlighted. So therefore, if we have a manufacturer from the food and beverages or pharmaceutical industry, and they have basically a, a, a part of their strategic plan for the year, they have key sustainability objectives that they want to achieve, then their submission would absolutely be welcome, right? If they're, if they're coming to the table with an idea and how they would like to innovate, but they need some help, some resources, some expertise, some funding, they would absolutely be welcome. So sort of sub-vertical independent, same idea around cybersecurity, right? If one of the manufacturers uh, happens to have uh, playing a critical role in, 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 in the supply chain, for instance, they have critical operations, uh, at, at play and cybersecurity is, is a key concern or key requirement and there's an idea or a notion of wanting to innovate to solve their particular challenge, we would absolutely welcome uh, their submission. So, and, and again, last but not least to complete the story is from a hybrid work perspective, remembering what I mentioned earlier with respect to business resiliency, a bit of a, a, bit of a tangent uh, adjacent way to look at hybrid work in the context of manufacturing, right? So, so, so it really isn't so much about the specific sub uh, vertical or uh, within the manufacturing sector, but it really is much more around those three teams that we're trying to uh, address and really make an impact quite frankly in, in Canada by having a number of those submissions, encouraging submissions in these three topics. Yeah, sure. Thank and you. just kind of that, adding on to that, you know, it's, you know, remember those three themes, they're not mutually exclusive. So if there's an opportunity that a, that a customer sees that, has across you know two or three of those that's that, that's great um but it's really you know every customer every every company has a problem that they're looking to solve and that that's really where the opportunity is is how do we help that you know that submission 
to address their problem? How do we bring all the things that we can that we can bring to the to the table to help address those problems in that way? So I think it's less look to, to Tarek's point. It's less about the subvertical. It's more just you know if a, if a company out there needs help to solve their uh, their problems, this is a great platform to enable. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So I think the application deadline runs till November fifteenth. So. Uh, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, a future announcements and who who's announced as part of the new cohort for the Fast Future Innovation Award. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out. But um, yeah, in the meantime, uh, Eric and Wayne, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your schedules to speak with me about the award. Thank you, Sadi. Once again, a huge thank you to our guests, Wayne Cuervo and Eric Thibault for joining us. And a huge thanks as well to our listeners for tuning in.